Thanks for joining us again. We're on the downward slope of Tom Atkins' career, Jared, with uh, 1982's Creep Show. This is very much a cameo appearance. Very much. Like, we said it was a cameo in Escape from New York. This is probably even a step lower. He's an extra. Yeah, pretty much. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Now, Jared pointed out to me after we, we finally finished up the Escape from New York episode, we forgot to give a moustache rating to Tommy's work. Jared, your thoughts on Thomas's uh, moustache work in Escape from New Look, York? Look, it's hard to give it more than a two. He's not in it enough. and. And I think everyone would, uh, you know, anyone that watched it would agree with that. <laughs> he's, uh, he's just not, he's just, he doesn't have a lot to do. No, and he of doesn't. course, you know, Lee Van Cleef being in the same scenes plucks a few hairs out of the moustache. You say that Van Cleef steals a bit of his moustache yeah. thunder. Van Cleef muscles in and takes a couple of moustache hairs off him. So <laughs> I think it's only a two from Tom and only because he's, he's not really in it. So, uh, you know, it was just a it was just a John Carpenter had you in something else and needed a role field. So, can you can you don a couple of mustaches for us? So, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I'm giving him a 3. 3. Shit. Uh, in the mustaches and I'll tell you why. Not only was he fighting for mustache room with Van Cleef, but he was also actually, if I'm not mistaken, fighting for mustache room with Carpenter. Carpenter was a moustache man back in those days. <laughs> yeah. And so, not only is he fighting off two mustachioed people around him, but it's also early Atkins. So his moustache is a little bit, there's no grey hairs, it's fully dark. There's a thickness to yeah. it. So I think I'll give him Look, three. I, the reason I'm going at two is it's post-fog Atkins. He he deserved more. <laughs> he needed more but time. But he had no mowing fog, didn't he? <laughs> he didn't have a mow in the fog, but it was still sort of more, even in the fog, it was a three three to four star mow rating, <laughs> even without a mustache. <laughs> he didn't yeah. have one. You knew if you, if you let him, if you gave him one or two days, he'd have a mustache growth ready to rock and roll. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Price, you could have said, listen, just take a break for half an yeah. hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cut. We'll come, come back. back in an hour when Tom's got a moustache. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've taken care of that. Let's take a break. And here's the trailer to 1982's Creep Show. Coming soon. Jolting tales of horror. Creep show. From the author of Carrie, The Shining, and Cujo. And the creator of Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. You'll scream at ghastly ghouls. Cringe at weird kids. And shiver at the doings of evil doctors. This is going to be extremely painful, Mr. Verrill. Creepshow will grab you, grow on you, and give you the creeps. Oh, 
this is going to be an entirely new experience. Creep Show. The most fun you'll ever have being scared. Creep Show from 1982. Directed by George A. Romero, who directed Dawn of the Dead. Produced by Richard P. Rubenstein, who produced Day of the Dead. And written by Stephen King, who wrote the, um, you know, very highly touted Maximum Overdrive. Hmm. It stars Hal Holbrook. Stephen, Stephen's probably, you know, still looking for some royalties from that because he needs the money. So yeah. he's probably still chasing up <laughs> yeah, lost look, royalties from Maximum Overdrive. Whatever happened to Stephen King? <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. He sort of faded into obscurity after this. Uh, it stars Hal Holbrook as H- Henry Northup, Adrian Barbeau as Wilma Northup, Leslie Nielsen as Richard Vickers, Ed Harris as Hank Blaine, and Tom Atkins as Stan. The budget was $8 million and the box office was $21 million worldwide. And this is the only George Romero film to open at number one at the weekend box office. Jared, what are your thoughts on Creepshow? So, Creepshow is a nice little hit of uh, nostalgia, obviously. I came into Creepshow well past, you know, when its prime sort of period was still picked it up at the 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 video store but it was sort of into the mid 90s by that point by the time i'd seen it i think so it's obviously got a a fantastic pedigree involved with it not only romero and king but you know people like tom savini involved with the the effects and uh obviously the actors involved as well but she's just i feel like she's just a little bit dated in in some respects a couple of the stories are look I like the themes of the stories that you know there's a, there's still the classic themes of those anthology horrors where there's some you know come up and involved for people who who deserve it based on their previous actions they're they're trying to go with sh- you know short little bits where there's nice little twists involved that sort of do that short story short film job for you but it just seems like a couple of them are a little bit repetitive in terms of how they you know, get the comeuppance for the people involved and a few of the stories just don't quite land for me. So I ended up with a three, which was sort of, it's probably come down from the last time I saw it a little bit and that would be as a result of seeing a few more of the anthologies and and picking up on a few more stories that I like and and developing more ideas on what I like in, in anthology and short story in general. But, yeah, I feel like a couple of them don't quite hit the mark, so I'm a three. Okay, three. What about moustache rating for Atkins? Oh, this one's really difficult because, again, he doesn't have one, but um, he's in it for such a short amount of time. (laughs) I'm still going to go for a two and a half on this one, and the reason is because I feel like they really do nail the idea of a father who has no fucking idea what he's railing against with what his what his son is kind of partaking in and enjoying and that kind of hits home a little bit so i'm going for a two and a half on that basis not necessarily for uh you know length of performance from tom or or one of his best performances but i feel like this one actually hits home a little bit so i'm going for a two and a half mustache rating okay 
Look, I felt a little bit the same as you with Creepshow. It's fun. It's kind of it's kind of enjoyable. They kind of favour a bit of schlock and and humour as opposed to sort of scares or anything like that. And that I think that kind of works. The comic book aesthetic is is well done. I think they do a good job, and actually, kind of that's kind of been stolen by a lot of those anthologies since. That similar sort of style. But they're actually, it's actually let down by the stories. I mean, there isn't any of them that jump out as classic. There isn't any of them that I sit back and I think, yeah, yeah, look, that one, that's one I'd really like to watch again. You touched on Trick or Treat while we were talking about this during the week. And Trick or Treat's one that got it all pretty much right for me. The stories were really interesting. I'd love to, I'd be happy to go back and watch them any time. And it's just not the case here. I feel a bit like you. It's probably come down in my estimation. Uh, I haven't seen it in a while, but it just kind of fell fell down a little. And that story about Geordie Varel, it's a disaster. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not even sure what they were thinking. By adding oh, look, that. I can't. I, I can't wait to dig into this one. That was. But you, you, you mentioned um, trick or treat, and I feel like the more anthologies I watch, the less actually get the wrap around right and cross over the stories and get all the stories right. So the more, the more I see, the more I feel that trick or treat just keeps kind of bumping up the list as as the best one for me. Yeah, trick or treat's got a lot going for it, and. I'm sure if I look back on it now and gave it another watch recently, I'd still be happy. I just felt that this just, it just dips because the stories are not that good, which is disappointing. But I still gave it a three. I had a, a decent enough time with it. As far as mustaches go, I'm going to give Tom a two. Yes, he had no mustache in the actual film, but he he dove into some of his favourite cliches of a, a glass of grog. Sitting on the couch and you know, this sort of stuff. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's let down by a, a moment in the film that's in my dislikes, but two's, two's decent enough. Again, it's a cameo before He would be on screen yeah. for maybe about three minutes. Is that yeah? So he's really barely in it. So I'll give him two moustaches. Fair enough. With regards to likes for the film, I really like the comic book style. The animated sequences mixed with the live action, the panels that are used throughout. It's, 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 it always looks cool. It always feels like it's comic booky, And it, as I said before, it has kind of ushered in a lot of this that's now being used in anthology films. Is kind of that comic book and animated pieces in amongst the, the live action. And it, I thought it was really cool the way all that was brought back for the TV show. Yeah, definitely. It's just a nice throwback to these these two pictures. I mean, I, I believe it's in the second one as well. It's also a nice nod to the roots of the the whole thing. Being EC, you comics know, EC, EC Comics was actually a thing, and you know, ushered in some of that you know comics code and and that sort of business. It's um, I think it's a, a really neat little way to to pay homage to it, whilst also getting around some budgetary constraints not so much in this but I'm, I mean definitely in the in the current TV series that it actually uses it to to get around some of those things where the budget doesn't doesn't actually do the job for it but in this particular film it's sort of uh, I mean George Romero especially 
used some of the lighting and whatnot to to achieve the effect as well. Yeah. Like when there's there's particular sequences where something will happen and the lighting changes to that kind of blue or red lighting that, that makes it actually look like a comics panel when someone's bloody shocked or um, frightened or um, so I think it's a really nifty little way to pay pay tribute to the to the the roots of it and the origins of it. Yeah. And there's a lightness and a fun to the whole endeavour, which again sort of harks back to comic books, you know, yeah. of that era. So yep, a you, playfulness to yeah, it. Yeah, and and I, I appreciated that in the sense that we knew you weren't you, you knew you weren't coming in and getting like scary stories. You were kind of getting a, a light scariness and, and a bit of humour thrown into it. Yeah, and absolutely. It works for the most part on those terms. I think so. How can you not start a film with the dry tones of Tom Atkins? Oh, absolute magic. <laughs> and immediately he's propped up on the couch with a beer in hand, <laughs> rambling on about, you know, the bloody shitty that kid's reading. And Yeah. And he has one of the great lines about, Oh, what does he say? He says something like, "You know, that's what that's what dads are made for." Or yeah, you know, he's he's absolutely just giving it to his son, but then you know, comes out with that line that, "Oh yeah, well, you know, what what are dads made for?" Or something like that. Yeah. I absolutely love that because, you know, not not taking pot shots at my own father, but he's he's a bit of a fan of blowing up about something he knows nothing about, which Tom Tom Atkins was doing in that scene. Yeah. You know, he's just sort of blowing up because the kid's got a comic and, oh, this is going to be this and that and blah, blah, blah. And it sort of, it sticks true because we, you know, we grew up in a time when video games were in their infancy. So I remember, you know, hearing shit about bloody Mortal Kombat. Oh, if you play Mortal Kombat, this and that will happen to you and all this sort yeah. of shit. And it's the same sort of thing, just it kind of develops through generations. So I was a big fan of that. I, th- I thought it rung, a little, rung, rung true a little bit to, to our own experiences as not necessarily the outcast, but people who enjoyed something that not a lot of people necessarily shared it wasn't something that was in the mainstream so to speak and i i also love that he's an absolute hypocrite because he's you know flicking through stick mags on his own times and then sits down with a carton of piss yeah yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) i yeah i absolutely love that i enjoyed ed harris's uh death (laughs) yeah (laughs) falling into a grave I mean, I don't, I can't remember why he's outside, but he just seems to be wandering around outside. Well, he's reason. just looking for the uh, he's just looking for the old auntie, isn't he? Yeah, and he trips and falls and finds her in the grave, <laughs> and then the gravestone falls on his head. <laughs> yeah, and he hangs there for quite a while while the gravestone's teetering. Yeah, look, I'm getting up. At least a slight roll. Yeah, I'm struggling <laughs> at the very least. <laughs> I'm reaching for something. Exactly. He kind of just stares up there. He, just, he keeps looking <laughs> up and going, oh, you know, and giving this smile when it, when it doesn't fall. Like, yeah. What are you doing, mate? I'm not smiling. I'm, I'm fucking, I'm panicking. Yeah. I'm struggling. I'm getting out of there. Yeah, I, I I like that one too. Now, that, that story was, what was it called? Father's Day. Father's I Day. I also like the bit where the he comes back to the, the, the zombie thing, grabs that woman, twists her head around, and then... He comes out with it on the cake, uh, on yeah. the platter, dressed up. I actually, um, I actually really, really dig that one because it's, 
it's got a couple of the good scares, like the the um, body bursting out of the grave is a neat little scare, and as you said, the the Ed Harris kill, and I think the ending is is exactly what you want. You know, he's he's going on about a cake for the whole thing, and then he ends up with someone's head on the yeah. on the platter as the cake. I think that's 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 nifty. That that one actually pays off. Simple, effective, and not too bad. Like it, it it's 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 watchable. Absolutely. For some reason, and please don't ask me why, but when Stephen King mumbles "meteor shit," <laughs> I started fucking laughing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll give you that one. <laughs> it was the only well, good thing to come out of that story. I mean, that's the real top shelf humour that that sort of usually gets us, isn't it? It's sort of. <laughs> It's the real cerebral sort of stuff that you really have to think through to yeah. uh, to get get the gag. Yeah, it's the only good bit of that story. It's pretty obvious <laughs> that'll be in my dislike. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I can't. I can't wait for that. I cannot wait. I actually, my personal favourite story was something to tide you over. Yeah, I enjoyed that one. I've got a dislike, but it's just because of Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I've probably got the same dislike, but, but um, but that one's got a top-notch cast, it's got a good cast, and and Leslie Nielsen is excellent. Yeah, as kind he of like excellent. the smarmy, jilted husband who's you know getting sort of back at them. Yeah, and I kind of dug the idea of burying them up to their necks. You know, he owns yep. the entire sort of. Area, so no, it doesn't matter how much you scream, he's filming it, you know, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Oh. The technology angle's a little bit easier these days, isn't it? He doesn't have to run vans with cords. Yeah, I thought that was rather <laughs> amusing. When he rocks up with a van, he fucking pulls out like a what are the wheels with all the. <laughs> Like, oh my god! Like I would have given Mate, up. <laughs> I remember what I remember what my teachers used to have to go through to try and fucking screen something in a classroom that supposedly had all sorts of cables and technology hooked up to it. <laughs> and this was in the nineties, so I can imagine what Le- Le- Leslie Nielsen was dealing with trying to get a fucking CCTV set up. Uh, Screen to a to a beachfront you know in what the eighties. Yeah, oh, fuck this. I don't need to record it. Yeah, yeah. I'd have rocked up and said, "Ah, oh, well, fuck. I'd planned to show you this, but that's not going to work. So, fuck you. You can just drown where you are." Yeah. Look, I I, I kind of enjoyed that entire story. Yeah, I think I, I mean I've got some dislikes to it too, and you <laughs> mentioning that that's one of your favourites. I I'm actually looking forward to. Uh, Checking out your ranking at the end, but I enjoyed that story as well. But I feel like Leslie Nielsen was was the absolute peak of that. He was just fucking talking of ham. He was absolutely enjoying what he was doing there. Yeah, and look, it, it probably fit perfectly, apart from one particular sequence, which I, as I said, I'll get to. But I also thought the effects were pretty good with the yeah. two corpses. The everything sagging because they've been underwater. And when he shoots them and the green shit just sort of dribbles out. Which is, I'm sure, what happens after you spend one day in, in um, the ocean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I dug that too. I like the way they looked with all the bloody seaweed and the bloat and shit. Look, I didn't mind parts of the crate. 
Yeah. I thought that the idea behind it was quite good and the whole thing with Hal Holbrook having those weird fantasies about killing his wife, yeah. um, which I thought worked well to you know when they were interspersed um, yep. into it. It kind of got a little bit silly as it went along, but I guess you could always see what was the comeuppance was. He was always going to take the missus down there and, and get rid of her, so to speak. So... Yeah, I and I guess the th- the the thing of the thing about the crate for me is that it's one of the one that epitomises um, similar to something to tide you over is that there's a dark humour to it. Yeah, like there's elements where, and I've got some I've got some issues with it, but there's some elements where you know he has these fantasies about how he's going to rid himself of his wife, and then. You know, in the fantasies, people are applauding him for it and stuff, and you kind of get a laugh out of some of it, and it it sort of epitomises what you expect from these EC Comics creep show type tales. Is yeah, there's the comeuppance, there's the people getting what they deserve, but there's also an enjoyment and a humour about it. So for me, the crate is one of the ones that does that the best. I, I was okay with the crate. I thought some of the special effects were good, especially when it bites the bloke on the neck. Mm. And it, it pulls away and rips all his skin off and everything. And I thought those, yeah. that sequence was, was really well handled. Well, the monster, the monster for me is a like on its own. It looks fantastic. Yeah, I think for the for the for the uh, time period and the way they shoot it, it's actually quite. It's still to this day quite quite scary. Yeah. when when it emerges some of the times and some of the shots are excellent. Like there's there's a couple in particular, like when they first sort of busted open and you see the monster but then it kind of stops for a second and the janitor's just got one arm in the crate yeah. and you just see this blood sort of dripping down and, and soaking his shirt yeah. and it sits there for a couple of seconds. It's a good sort of five to ten second shot of this blood just dripping through the shirt and then it just goes again and, and sort of finishes him off. I thought some of the stuff in, in that one was, was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, look, it definitely had its moments. And the last one for me was, I actually thought they're creeping up on you, was probably what you said before about that sort of dark humour. The same thing applied here. I think there's a problem with they're creeping up on you, and I'll get to it, but I actually kind of, it was kind of effectively kind of icky, the whole idea of all those bugs and him being a germaphobe. And I actually found yeah. some of his behaviour quite amusing. Yeah, I mean, essentially it was like Howard Hughes and yeah. he was kind of halfway towards what The Simpsons made Mr Burns in that episode when they were lampooning Howard Hughes. Yeah. Like, it's sort of that they they ended up going for the same sort of thing. And, and I thought it was effective. I thought when all the bugs come out of him, it was effective. There were moments again in that one yes. that I enjoyed. Yeah, I agree. I think some of the effects were at their best at that one. Also, reading some of the stories about the lengths they went to to use the bugs were quite hilarious. Yeah. I mean, the fucking bugs were infesting all sorts of shit. So, yeah, if you get the chance, have a look at uh, – have a little uh, Google about the bugs in Creepshow and all the, all the lengths they ended up. Apparently, people who took props home from the set Found bugs ended up with fucking bugs in them and shit too. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's great stuff. But it was it was a good it was a decent enough way to finish it up. 
Yeah, I definitely think so in certain aspects. It's not one of my favourite stories. And as I said, I'm looking forward to having a chat to you about how the, how you rank them in the end. But uh, because almost every almost every ranking or article or whatever I've read on the internet. And I must say, I didn't just read the first one. I read at least yeah. three to four this time. <laughs> yeah, all right. I, um, they all rank them differently. I mean, some people had particular ones that I disliked at the top of the pile, and then, you know, the very next ranking I would read would almost be flipped completely. So I think that's one of the good things about the movie is that you can still kind of talk about it and compare the, compare the stories because a lot of people have different different feelings on where they actually end up. Well, the other thing for me is I only really dislike one of them. Like the others yeah, I, can yeah. go, I can go along with, but I think the thing for me, and, and I, do you, I don't know if you have any more likes. No, no, that was pretty much, uh, well, Tom Savini cameoing was yeah, always, that was, you know, that was it's always nice to what see What was your take on the wraparound? I liked it, but it kind of epitomised the whole thing for me. I just... From every single story, I just felt like I wanted just a little bit more. Yeah. So that that sort of was no different to all the other stories. I just felt like it did a nifty little job, but I felt like I, I just wanted a little bit more from the story. Yeah. I guess getting into the dislikes for me, Tommy Atkins, slapping kids. Come on. Well, that was my first dislike too. Yeah, we didn't need that. I mean, we've had Tom Atkins as an asshole before. I mean, Dan Chalice. <laughs> no, but he's he a likable really asshole. Really, he's an asshole. But there's a roguish element where you kind of love the bloke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He acts like and an he asshole. Doesn't... He looks at the ladies. He goes, "What do you think?" And they go, "Yeah, yeah, you're the man." This yeah, this guy seem... was just pure asshole. And I guess. Yeah, she goes, "Are you are you wearing chalice by Atkins? <laughs> because it seems like you are." But I I think um. It's exactly right. Like Dan Chalice is is not a good father. He seems to be an alcoholic and a terrible doctor, but you kind of you're on the fringes of that, so you kind of still love the guy. <laughs> Whereas this one, you get him slapping what I believe is Joe Hill. Yeah. It's Joe Hill, isn't it? Yeah. The kid. So you get him belting Joe Hill around for reading a couple of comics. I mean, I love the idea of that story, but You've made a big misstep by absolutely, you know, you've cast Tom Atkins as an abusive asshole, and I just can't buy no, it. I can't have that. I, <laughs> I won't. can't have it. <laughs> I won't accept it. Not after watching no, five of his films in a week. It's just wrong. Plus, it's also wrong of him not to have a mo. Yeah, it yeah. It just, it looks wrong. He looks like a baby. <laughs> I mean, he should have just taken the comic, no slapping the kid around, just fire up a little bit, take the comic. Turn around to his wife and say, "Hey, you know, what do you think?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She goes, "Sip his beer, and then yeah. we're off." And she goes, "What's goes that smell?" And he 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 turns to her and says, "Is it stale, stale cigarettes, cheap alcohol, <laughs> sex?" She goes, "Yep." He goes, "That's chalice." <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. But I went down to Chemist Warehouse and got myself a bottle yeah. of chalice. <laughs> What do I you can reckon? just imagine the um, advertisements for it. <laughs> Tom Atkins, a rumpled suit, yeah, <laughs> his yeah. hair all over the place. Yeah, it's some artistic kind of ad that says, it's 5am, the bar's closed, you know, where do you go? 
<laughs> you open your medicine, you open your bloody... <laughs> you go into your bathroom, pull out a bottle of chalice, and there you go. <laughs> It's like yeah. a, it's like Yeah, yeah. You spray on some chalice and it's like it's eight PM again. <laughs> Off we go. <laughs> yeah, oh man. His advertisement would be great. His mustache with a hint of like beer froth in it. <laughs> of course, of course. Ah, uh, yeah, look, he shouldn't be slapping kids and he should not ha- he should always have a mustache. Always. No. I just don't buy it. Tom Atkins wouldn't do that. No, Tom Atkins would not do that. And although in Halloween 3 he didn't have a moustache and did end up sleeping with Jamie Lee Curtis, <laughs> that's an anomaly. <laughs> Surely that's an anomaly. Okay? Oh, man. <laughs> is, it an anom- is it an anomaly? Yes. Because, I mean, we've got some questionable, beha- questionable behaviour. I mean, in the fog, the man appears to be in his late 30s and sleeps with a woman who's 20. So. Yeah, I know, but that's more about... <laughs> The, the sheer magnetism of the guy. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with any of that. He's magnetic. Oh, dear. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Uh, the next one and when for you me, wear a chalice, that, that sort of stuff tends to happen. Yeah, that's right. The next one for me is Ed Harris with a full head of hair. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it just yeah, doesn't look on? right, Jared. It doesn't. It does not look right. <laughs> I, I was put off immediately. <laughs> and not only that, but him and his missus dancing. Oh. I, mean, <laughs> I think they took a wrong turn on the way to the Crispin Glover Dance Academy and ended oh, up in bloody ended up in the prom night uh, dance number instead. <laughs> so talk about not looking right. Ed Harris on the dance floor. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a, he looks terrible out there, and he's kind of I, I'm a sh- I believe it's seductive. <laughs> yeah, well, he was trying to be seductive, and then I just kept looking at him, going, "This is the bloke that's going to eventually take over Alcatraz." Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Not with that shitty, is it? No, exactly right. I mean, I, all I could hear in the background was, what kind of fucked up dance is this? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. It was absolute magic. You know what, though? But just before we, before we push on, can we just briefly step back and, you know, again, I might be stripping away the mustache rating here, but was Tom Atkins' hair dyed in this? I think because it so. Looked, again, the magic of Blu-ray. It appeared that there was there was a number of different colours on Tom's head. <laughs> yeah, I think it was there was a touch of dye, maybe a little bit of Grecian two thousand in there. <laughs> maybe he's trying to look a bit different for this particular character because he's trying to distance himself from slapping children. <laughs> well, look, there definitely yeah. appeared to be a little bit of grey, but I reckon there was a little bit of just for men auburn or something like that. <laughs> Stripped across the top, and it it it, it looked very unnatural. No, it did. From, from old times. Oh, I mean, so he didn't have a mustache, and he dyed his hair. You can guarantee that when someone asked Tom Atkins about his role in Creep Show, he says that wasn't me. It was Stacy Keach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was filming road games in Australia yeah, at the time. Right. <laughs> 
I don't know. I don't know. I I I, I kind of wish there was a behind the scenes of you know Tom rocking up to the set and them saying, "Tom, we just want a little add. We we, we just want to add a touch of colour to your hair." There. <laughs> <laughs> and seeing the seeing the blow up that happened, and you know, I think that would have been worth the price of admission. Yeah. Also, the filming difficulties difficulties around his sheer manliness that a mustache pops up every three minutes, and so well, that's they right. can only do one take before they've got to go and shave him. <laughs> yeah, we do we do one take and we've got to shave you up, but then we've got the added the added uh, issue that with the auburn auburn uh, color at the top of the hair seems to grow out after every every five to six <laughs> takes as well. <laughs> uh, another quick question before we really dive into the thicker things, but why the fuck are we having a cake on Father's Day? <laughs> I don't know. Can we get a bit of clarity on that? Because all I do is rock up with some scratches. <laughs> Fucking yeah. yeah, a five dollar scratchy and a pair of socks if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, oh, what about me cake? Oh, fucking neck up, you silly old cunt. <laughs> you're not getting a cake. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I don't. I had questions I don't know on what that. was going on. I don't feel there's a need for the, a cake. Yeah, the fact that he lasted to that age with that sort of nonsense about a cake. I mean, if you're in our family, you last till you're about. 30, and then someone fucking decks you and says, here's your cake, and that's, or, that's the end of it. Well, basically, it's a no-presence policy after 18, so you can get yeah, fucked, Yeah, piss off. <laughs> You're cut out from the will. You never inherited that bloody that uh, fortune in the first place. Talking about meat, staying on that story briefly, Medelia, I mean, you like to talk about ham when we're acting, Oh, yeah. Her efforts next to the grave, uh, I mean, she's just slicing. She's just carving a ham next to the grave. Oh, yeah, she's fucking way over. <laughs> she is just every line. She's just carving a slice. And she's drinking from a bottle of Jack Daniels, so Tom Atkins was just off camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tom, um, I, reckon it might look, um, I reckon it might look more realistic if I take that bottle <laughs> off you. <laughs> Oh, okay, but I'll need it back once we cut. Yeah, what are you doing on set, Tom? Oh, I just thought I'd come past and have a bit of a look. Yeah, yeah, just give me the bottle, just for a minute. Oh, can I have a swing? I think that's how it played out. All right, let's get to the real meat here. Yeah. The, the real meat yep. of this situation. The Geordie Varel story is fucking awful. Yeah. King is a woeful actor. Yeah. And I can't see why. I mean, this is the height of his sort of early fame, I guess. Well, can I just hit you with a just a little slice of um Have you got a tidbit? I've got a tidbit. Tom Atkins wanted that role. Oh Christ. <laughs> I'm actually kinda happy he didn't take I'm it. I'm happy he didn't take it either. Because it, it it's a nothing role. There's nothing to it. Well, that's that's the story with the least Going on for me, I, I thought when he would start, when he started watching the TV, or when he started seeing his dad in the mirror, that that it would go somewhere, but it just it didn't. Yeah, I'm not sure what what they were trying to achieve with it. Yeah, like it has no end. It has nothing. It just he turns into a basically a fucking grass monster or something <laughs> and blows his own head off. That's it. Yeah. Look, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this. I love Stephen King. 
and I applaud the man for branching out into every opportunity that his talents afforded him. But there's a reason that acting was was sort of just on the periphery for the man. I think there's also a reason why directing might have been outside. Yes, of yeah, there's also that well. too. But I, I think, I mean, some people love the guy's performance in this. Again, I read, I won't say broadly, but I read a few reviews about You skimmed. You skimmed a couple of things. I skimmed, but... I skimmed read, I speed, I speed read a couple of things about, you know, people's perceptions of this and some people absolutely love it. And I, I just can't I see it. I, look, I understand he's, there is something that he's going for. He's supposed to be a bit of a halfwit and he's kind of, there's a comedic portion to it, but it comes off like a bad sitcom. Yeah. I don't think it, it, it benefits the story. No. And this is coming and from it, a man who will, who will defend Stephen King for most of the things that he does because, you know, he's, he's given so much to us over our lifetime and, and he's had a crack yeah. at uh, plenty of things. And as you would if you were in his position and were able to do that sort of stuff, you'd, you'd branch out and have a go. But um, I, I just don't think this works for the man. Yeah, but, you know, if I'm George Romero, even if I'm his mate, I'm going, mate, look, you're not an actor. I need an actor. Well, if Tom Atkins says, I want that role, and Romero says, oh, Stephen's taken it, he's written it, and you see Stephen's performance, do you not say, listen, Steve, Tom Atkins can do this. He's, he wants to do this. <laughs> what yeah. do you reckon? But imagine T.A. acting like a half <laughs> 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 Well, this is yeah, the problem, what? right? You, you've just kind of summed up one of the biggest issues about it is that as an actor, it appears, to, you know, from the from the outside, from what we've seen and from, you know, what we've read about acting and whatever, it seems like one of the hardest gigs is to carry a story when there's no one else to act off. And yeah. Stephen's just fucking dived headlong <laughs> into that. I mean, experienced, experienced actors you struggle with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Method actors <laughs> can't get that shit done. I mean, and Stephen King. Daniel Day Lewis would have got a fucking fungal infection to to <laughs> to study for this role, and still would have been hard pressed to sell it. Like, <laughs> yeah, but this is the thing. His performance reminds me of fucking Simple Jack. <laughs> like, like it does, and that was supposed to be a piss take. Yeah, yeah. Like, Simple Jack was a piss take. Yeah. And yet King's performance here reminds me of that. Other than the, yeah, and other than the immortal meteor shit. <laughs> yeah. Apart from that, where I kind of, I, I saw his acting prowess peek through. I mean, that was where it all came together. <laughs> Maybe why that's why, like, to me it's very self-indulgent. Yeah, it is. Because you don't, you don't. Acting shit if you're not a fucking actor. <laughs> like, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> I mean, it sounds very simple, but you're right, Adam. <laughs> you're not an actor, mate. So don't, like, Romero, you need to put your foot down. I mean, someone sort of sh- should have, like, should have mentioned to Stephen, look, it's not easy to do this role by yourself and talk to yourself and, and say lines <laughs> like meteor shit and sell it all the way through as, a, you know, as the only person on the screen. 
I'm not going to say I didn't enjoy it. I had a couple of laughs from how it all came around, but I wouldn't say that's because it was a particularly good bit of work. No. There may have been some heavy use of some mind altering <laughs> substances at the time. Can I ask at, were made. Can I ask at what point? Because I feel like writing stage there'd probably be some in craft services they would have had to fucking line up a couple of <laughs> yeah, lines I as think, well. I think it was all I the think, way through. Because yeah, this was right there at was Stephen's a lot of thinking done Yeah, I think this was right at Stephen's peak for that sort of stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I don't know the exact um, dates. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, this was a – this. I'm assuming this was probably a time. I mean, yeah. Christ, you only have to look at the before. We don't have the dates, but we can guess, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't need them. Somewhere in 1982, I would have suggested. You're telling me you turn up at the courtroom and you say, look, I don't have the exact dates, but here's the evidence. I think, I think he gets convicted. <laughs> Exhibit A, have a look at this guy. <laughs> Tell me that this isn't drug related. <laughs> yeah, look, there's there's green weeds floating around, but I think there's also some plenty of white powders floating around as well <laughs> in Jordy Varel's uh, lounge room there. Yeah. All right. The other one for me is Leslie Nielsen. Yep. It's not a dislike in a sense that his performance is that bad? I mean, I think that... His performance he, is excellent. Yeah, his hamming is, is perfectly pitched to what they were asking yeah, for. Yeah, exactly. But you, I just can't take the guy seriously. No, well, no, I just can't. The problem for us is we saw these movies at the same time we were getting to know Lieutenant Frank Drebin, and <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's not much between them. The guy, no. the guy is the only thing that is different about the performances is Lieutenant Frank Drebin's fucking obliviousness to to things that are going on. Other than yeah. that, Leslie Nielsen is absolutely pitched perfectly for this role. But the only difference between between that and the Naked Gun is that we're supposed to be laughing at him. And yeah. as you said, you get the same facial expressions. You get a couple of lines that you can imagine Drebin delivering. <laughs> Exactly. And there's a sequence where the, the when the corpses come back and he fires all his bullets and then he throws the gun and the look on his face is like, <laughs> like spot on Drebin. Well, the other thing spot that got on. me is, you know, when he, he tries to shut the door after his first scene, the two people coming back to get him. Yeah. He shuts the door and he kind of gives a who and all I could imagine was... <laughs> Frank Drebin going, oh, ah, he. <laughs> in those sequences of that one where he's in the toilet and you hear him making all those sound effects, it's exactly the same. There's no difference. Like, it's, it's, I couldn't, I was the same. I just couldn't stop laughing. I loved it. I loved it, but it, oh, yeah, it had to be put in dislikes because. Yeah. You can't separate it anymore. And that's you know that's no. that's not a that's not a shot at the man. He was he was such a wonderful performer that I, I wish we could have had more of him in the in the Drebin role. But it's just once you got that and you got Airplane and you looked back at the other stuff, you can't separate yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. And look, that was probably my last dislike. Oh, I had a um, I had a couple I had a couple more. I felt in that particular story. 
I wanted a little bit more than they just came back from the dead because we already got yeah. that in Father's Day. So once they came back from the dead, what, like when, when I saw what he was doing to them, I was just kind of thinking, how are we going to get out of this, this and get a really nice twist for it? Because we already got the just straightforward, just unexplained come comes back from the dead with Father's Day. And we got it better. I mean, in Father's Day, there was the little twist about the cake, you know, the the, the callback to the cake, I guess. Whereas this one, yeah. it was just the same old thing again but with probably better performances in that story. So I Yeah, it did feel a little bit the same. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of, of the way that, that came about. And I guess it's just another general one that we've sort of mentioned is I just felt like I just wanted a little bit more from from all of them, from all of the yeah. stories. I just felt like the real gems you remember because of an absolute killer twist for that that short story. We've spoken about it before. We talked about it with Scare Packages. You just remember a really great setup and an absolute killer twist. And I actually, in my head, I was thinking, yeah, Creepshow did that. And I couldn't really remember, because it had been a little while since I watched it, I was just like, yeah, Creepshow, Creepshow was, you know, the, the kind of gold standard for that. And I, I couldn't really remember the stories. So when I no. came back to them, I was just like, fuck, no, like none of them have it. No, none of them at all. So I was really, I guess there was a bit of a, an element of leaving it a while between, between views that oh, I was a bit disappointed with all the, the endings to it all. There was no real killer short story twists in there. Yeah, and that's probably the biggest dislike to all of them. Yeah is that they just don't quite pay off where I would have hoped. And look, that's the product of some of this sort of stuff. Yeah. It's difficult to make a short story that's going to have those elements. It is. Yeah, so it's kind of been proved. It's sort of the more I watch these anthologies, the more I think to myself, well, yeah, look, nine times out of ten, you're probably not going to get an absolute classic story. Yeah, well, you think about, you know, if you could if you could grab a bunch of stories together from all of them and put them together, you would you would get a real gem, but then when you think about it, that's across a whole bunch of films. There's a whole lot of them that don't have one story that's like that, let alone two, three, or four. Yeah, um, which is why trick or treat just keeps on going up in my estimation is because the wraparound is the way that it crosses over all the stories is excellent, and I think it actually does have two to three real gems in there. I yeah, that was that was actually a big disappointment because I hadn't watched this for a while, and it was another case where I got to pick up the the Blu-ray on the cheap, so I picked it up and watched it again, and thought shit, that that didn't hold up like I remembered it. Yeah. So if you had to rate the stories, how would you rate them? All right, interesting. My favourite's actually the crate. Yeah. I really like the – well, I've probably got a dislike to mention about this, and it's the – the fantasies are one of the strengths of the story, but they're also very much a product of the time and highlight a couple of hefty instances of Hal Holbrook fantasising about some really rough domestic violence kind of – Episodes, yeah. but then he kind of ends up the good guy too, and they they kind of you know portray Adrian Barbo as so over the top, fucking grating and whatever that we're supposed to sympathise with that guy. But then some of the actions that he's imagining taking are pretty rough. But I think in terms of the story, 
if I'm not wrong, it's the longest. Um, yes, I think it is. And I think it probably deserves to be too because it's got, you know, the, the first professor that's going in and then trying to, trying to convince yeah. people that this is going on and then we lose a couple of people and then Hal Holbrook convinces, you know, his, his wife to go in and have a look at it because of their circumstance. I actually think that one works the best and it has th- that twisted ending where they're both they both kind of agree that they're not going to talk about it, but then also we have the little kicker of the monster coming out. So that, that one's my favourite. Yeah. Father's Day second. Short, sharp, simple, does the job, but that little twist about the cake and then having the head as the cake at the end, really liked it. Something to tide you over was the next one. Again. I think the acting performances were far better than Father's Day, but I just felt like it was leading up to more than the twist that we got. Yes. So, and as I said, because Father's Day was first, it felt like something to tide you over was just the same twist. Creeping up on you. This is one that a lot of people love, but I had it down the ways a little bit because I just felt like, again, it's not... What was the twist? I mean, we saw the bugs from the get-go. The twist was just there's more bugs. I I, I didn't love that. Again, I, I, I agree with you. I think the construction of the story was pretty neat, how it was just him bagging everyone, and then you got the workers that were kind of, when it was all ramping up, that the interactions with the workers were a little eerie back in his direction, and then it kind of just, you know, led to him dying with the bugs. But I just felt like the whole time was like, okay, there's a bug there. Is he Is he... You know, are we going to get more bugs? And we got more bugs. And the last one, my least favourite is, yeah, Geordie Verrill, the lonesome death of Geordie Verrill. Similar thing. There just doesn't seem to be a progression to it other than, yeah, so this thing's growing on him. It seems like that's the complication, but there's never an end to the story. And yeah. that's, that's the problem. It's, it's the same with the, the creeping up on you. I feel like that's the complication, but we don't get the, the, the gruesome twist. So, Geordie Verrill was my least favourite. Mine was slightly different. I went with something to tide you over was my personal favourite. Yes, it lacked a little bit of that twist, but I really liked the performances, and I thought some of it was really interesting. Was that because there was had... um, was that because there was an assault with a concrete dildo at some point through that <laughs> sexual assault with a concrete dildo? What were you doing? Um, that was my favourite. I think Father's Day second. Because it's short and sharp. Yeah. It doesn't overstay its welcome and it goes quickly to it, what it's after. The crate is third. They're creeping up on you fourth. Geordie Varel fifth. And if I'm honest, the wraparound story's pretty naff too. Yeah, it is. I mean, there isn't much to it. Yeah. I mean, I love the idea of, as I said, the initial intro to Tom Atkins blowing up about something that he clearly doesn't really understand, and then the end of it being that Tom Savini and that find the something's been ordered out of the magazine. I mean, that was yeah. totally true to true to form, but it just, yeah, it didn't pay off. We could have gone a little bit further than that. Agreed. I mean, he could have been growing a moustache or something. You know, he could have been growing a, a Geordie Verrill. So his moustache could have been weeds like Geordie Verrill. Yeah, well, it could. Have, he could have just become, just turned from clean-shaven Tom Atkins into bloody Bigfoot or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hair just continues to grow no matter what he Correct. does. Correct. 
Did you have anything else? No, no. I think that was it. I was just I was just wondering if you had any more to say about Geordie Verrill and you know any more boots to lay. <laughs> no, I think I laid it pretty hard. Yeah, I actually think watching this made me appreciate and enjoy what we saw from the TV show even more. Yeah, because I had I had thought, yeah, the TV show is a really nifty little way to pay tribute to the really you know the the great segments in in the original. And then when I went back to the original, they weren't quite as great as I remembered. So the actual stories that we saw in the show sort of elevated a little bit in my estimation. I would agree. I think that the show... I think the show has far more hits than it has misses. Yeah, I, I in its ten episode run. I ended up probably or six episode run. Sorry, I reckon it probably ended up at about half of the stories I really enjoyed, and the other half yeah. I was kind of like, oh well, I'm sort of I, I'm glad I watched it for the most part. Yeah. All right, that is Creep Show. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Podomatic. Send us an email at thrillme at iinet.net.au. Contact us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia and at Podomatic at thrillme.podomatic.com. Please rate and review us wherever you might find us. We're also on Instagram at thrillmepodcastau. Our next episode, to finish up Tommy Atkins Week, Penultimate Atkins, Jared. Mm. 1986's Night of the Creeps. Now, just to let everyone know, we have reviewed this film previously. But it was very early on, and we're going to revisit it as part of Tom Atkins Week, and Jared will be involved this time. He was not involved last time, so I'll be interested to get his thoughts. Mm. And it's the only way to finish Tom Atkins Week, really. Oh, look. There, there is no Tom Atkins without Night of the Group. Correct. Basically. So, until that episode, take it easy, and we'll catch up with everyone later. Cheers. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia or contact us at Thrill Me, all one word, all lowercase, at iinet.net.au.